Hare Krishna, my dear devotees. Welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books, right here in the Haven, which is located in Hive, Kent, Southeast England, just a stone's throw from the English Channel. Back on the uh, back home, seriously, back home, reading the Srimad Bhagavatam to devotees who like to hear. This is the summum bonum of human life. And I want to thank all of you for this opportunity to do this service, uh, to try to keep Srila Prabhupada's books in the center of his movement to please him. Srila Sanatana Goswami glorifies the Srimad Bhagavatam properly in his Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram. It's wonderful. That's why I read it every night. And it goes like this Sarva Shastra Dipi Yusha, Sarva Vedaika Satpala, Sarva Siddhanta Ratnadya, Sarva Lokaika Drikprada. O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths. You are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kali Dvandodita Ditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun, risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya, Prema Varshakshadayate, Sarvada Sarvasevyaya, Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you, who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours on a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madeka bando matsangin madguro man mahadana manistadaga madbhagya madanandanamostute My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayin atinichochatakada hanamunchakadachin mam premnarit kandayokspura. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, we've reached the 25th chapter of the 4th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Narada Muni is describing the uh, material nature, the material world to King Prachinabharisha. And he's, <clears throat> say, he's telling an allegorical story about a king named Puranjana. And he represents conditioned soul in this material world. And he's talking about King Bharibhashita, uh, Bharibhashit, Bharibhashiti. But because the king is a little proud and Narada Muni is very intelligent, he doesn't say directly, you're like this, you're like that. He tells a story. Beginning with text 17. <clears throat> On the outskirts of that city were many beautiful trees and creepers encircling a nice lake. 
also surrounding that lake were many groups of birds and bees that were always chanting and humming. Purport. Since the body is a great city, there must be various arrangements, such as lakes and gardens, for sense enjoyment. Did we read this? No, this is where we left off. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> of the various parts of the body, those which incite sexual impulses are refer- referred to here indirectly because the body has genitals when the living entity attains the right age be he man or woman he becomes agitated by the sex impulse as long as one remains a child he is not agitated by seeing a beautiful woman although the sense organs are present unless the the age is ripe there is no sex impulse the favorable conditions Surrounding the sex impulse are compared here to a garden or a nice solitary park. When one sees the opposite sex, naturally the sex impulse increases. It is said that if a man is in a solitary place, that if a man in a solitary place does not become agitated upon seeing a woman, he is considered to be a brahmachari. But this practice is almost impossible. The sex impulse is so strong that even by seeing, touching, or talking, coming in contact with, or even thinking of the opposite sex, even in so many subtle ways, one becomes sexually impelled. Consequently, a brahmachari or sannyasi is prohibited to associate with women, especially in a secret place. The Shastras enjoin that one should not even talk to a woman in a secret place, even if she happens to be one's own daughter, sister, or mother. The sex impulse is so strong that even if one is very learned, he becomes agitated in such circumstances. If this is the case, how can a young man in a nice park remain calm and quiet after seeing a beautiful young woman? Text 18 This city, by the way, is the body of Puranjana. The branches of the trees standing on the bank of the lake received particles of water carried by the spring air from the falls coming down from the icy mountain. Purport. In this verse, the word Himanirjara is particularly significant. The waterfall represents a kind of liquid humor. The waterfall represents a kind of liquid humor or rasa relationship. In the body there are different types of humor, rasa or relation or mellow. The supreme mellow relationship is called the sexual mellow, adi rasa. When this adi rasa or sex drive comes in contact with the spring air moved by Cupid, it becomes agitated. In other words, all these are representations of Rupa, Rasa, Gandha, Shabda, and Sparsha. The wind is Sparsha, or touch. The waterfall is Rasa, or taste. The spring air, Kusumakara, is smell. All these varieties of enjoyment make life very pleasing, and thus we become captivated by material existence. Text 19 In, an, in such an atmosphere, even the animals of the forest become non-violent and, uh, and non-envious like great sages. Consequently, the animals did not ta- attack anyone. Over and above everything else, over and above everything, was the cooing of the cuckoos. Any passenger passing along that path was invited by that atmosphere to take rest in that nice garden. Purport. <clears throat> A peaceful family with wife and children is compared to the peaceful atmosphere of the forest. 
children are compared to non-violent animals. Sometimes, however, wives and children are called Swajanakya Dasyu, burglars in the name of kinsmen. A man earns his livelihood with hard labor, but the result is that he is plundered by his wife and children, exactly as a person in a forest is attacked by some thieves and burglars who take his money. Nonetheless, in family life, the turmoil of wife and children appears to be like the cooing of the cuckoos in the garden of family life. Being invited by such an atmosphere, the person who is passing through such a blissful family desire, such a blissful family life, I'll read that again. Being invited by such an atmosphere, the person who is passing through such a blissful family life desires to have his family with him at all costs. Text 20 While wandering here and there in that wonderful garden, King Puranjana suddenly came in contact with a very beautiful woman who was walking there without any engagement. She had ten servants with her and each servant had hundreds of wives accompanying him. Purport The body has already been compared to a beautiful garden. During youth, the sex impulse is awakened and the intelligence, according to one's imagination, is prone to contact the opposite sex. In youth, a man or woman is in search of the opposite sex by intelligence or imagination, if not directly. The intelligence influences the mind and the mind controls the ten senses. Five of these senses gather knowledge and five work directly. Each sense has many desires to be fulfilled. This is the position of the body and the owner of the body, Puranjana, who is within the body. Text 21 the woman was protected on all sides by a five-hooded snake. She was very beautiful and young, and she appeared very anxious to find a suitable husband. Purport The vital force of a living entity includes the five kinds of air working within the body, which are known as prana, apana, vyana, samana, and Udana. <clears throat> the vital force is compared to a serpent because a serpent can live by simply drinking air. The vital force carried by the air is described as the Pratihara or the bodyguard. <clears throat> Without the vital force one cannot live for a moment. Indeed all the senses or working under the protection of the vital force. The woman who represents intelligence was searching after a husband. This indicates that intelligence cannot act without consciousness. A beautiful woman is useless unless protected by the proper husband. Intelligence must always be very fresh. Therefore the word apaudam, apraudam, very young, is used here. Material enjoyment means utilizing the intelligence for the sake of rupa, rasa, ganda, shabda, and sparsha, or fo form, taste, smell, sound, and touch. Text 22 The woman's nose, teeth, and forehead were all very beautiful. Her ears were equally very beautiful, and were bedecked with dazzling earrings. Purport The body of intelligence enjoys the objects of sense gratification that cover it, such as smell, vision, and hearing. The word sunasam, beautiful nose, indicates the organ for acquiring knowledge by smell. Similarly, the mouth is the instrument for acquiring knowledge by taste, for by chewing an object, 
and touching it with the tongue, we can understand its taste. The word sukapolam, nice forehead, indicates a clear brain capable of understanding things as they are. By intelligence, one can set things in order. The earrings set upon the two ears are placed there by the work of the intelligence. Thus, the ways of acquiring knowledge are described metaphorically. Text 23 The waist and hips of the woman were very beautiful. <clears throat> she was dressed in a yellow sari with a golden belt. While she walked, her ankle bells rang. She appeared exactly like a denizen of the heavens. Purport. This verse expresses the joyfulness in the, of the mind upon seeing a woman with raised hips and breasts dressed in an attractive sari and bedecked with ornaments. 24, text 24. With the end of her sari, the woman was trying to cover her breasts, which were equally round and well placed side by side. She again and again tried to cover them out of shyness while she walked exactly like a great elephant. Purport. The two breasts represent attachment and envy. The symptoms of raga and dvesha, attachment and envy, are described in Bhagavad Gita 3.34. Indriyas, indriyas yarte, raga dveshao vyabastitao, toyor nevasham agachjet, Tauryasya paripantinao. Attraction and repulsion for sense objects are felt by embodied beings, but one should not fall under the control of senses and sense objects because they are stumbling blocks on the path of self realization. <coughs> These representatives of attachment and envy are very much unfavorable for advancement in spiritual life. One should not be attracted by the breasts of young women. The great saint Shankaracharya has described the breasts of women, especially young women, as nothing but a combination of muscles and blood. So one should not be attracted by the illusory energy of raised breasts with nipples. They are agents of maya, meant to victimize the opposite sex. Because the breasts are equally attractive, they are described as samavartao. The sex impulse remains in an old man's heart also, even up to the point of death. To be rid of such agitation, one must be very much advanced in spiritual consciousness, like Yamunacharya, who said, Yad Avidi mama cheta krishna padada vinde nava nava rasadaman yudyatam nantuma seed tad avidi bada nari sangame smaryamane bhavati mukhavikara shushtu nishti vanam cha. Since I have been engaged in the transcendental loving service of Krishna, Realizing ever new pleasure in him, whenever I think of sex pleasure, I spit at the thought, and my lips curl in distaste. When one is spiritually advanced, he can no longer be attracted by the lumps of flesh and blood, which are the breasts of young women. The word nirantanao, nirantarao, is significant. Because although the breasts are situated in different locations, the action is the same. We should not make any distinction between attachment and envy. As described in Bhagavad Gita 3.37, they are both products of Rajaguna, Kama-esha, Krodha-esha, Rajaguna, Samudbhavaha. The word Nirguhantim trying to cover, indicates that even, even if one is tainted by kama, loba, krodha, and so on, they can be transfigured 
by Krishna consciousness. In other words, one can utilize kama, lust, for serving Krishna. Being impelled by lust, an ordinary worker will work hard day and night. Similarly, a devotee can work hard day and night to satisfy Krishna. Just as karmis are working hard to satisfy kama kroda, a devotee should work in the same way to satisfy Krishna. Similarly, kroda, anger, can be used in the service of Krishna when it is applied to the non-devotee demons. Hanumanji applied his anger in this way. He was a great devotee of Lord Ramachandra and he utilized his anger to set fire to the kingdom of Ravana, a non-devotee demon. This kama, thus kama, lust, can be utilized to satisfy Krishna and kroda, anger, can be utilized to punish the demons. When both are used for Krishna's service, they lose their material significance and become spiritually important. Text 25 Puranjana, the hero, became attracted by the eyebrows and smiling face of the beautiful girl and, he, and was immediately pierced by the arrows of her lusty desires. When she smiled shyly, she looked very beautiful to Puranjana, who, who, although a hero, could not refrain from addressing her. Purport Every living entity is a hero in two, two ways. When he is a victim of illusory energy, he works as a great hero in the material world. As a great leader, politician, businessman, industrialist, and so on, his heroic activities contribute to the material advancement of civilization. One can also become a hero by being master of the senses, a Goswami. Material activities are false heroic activities, whereas restraining the senses from material engagement is great heroism. However great a hero one may be in the material world, he can immediately he can immediately conquered, he can be immediately conquered by the lumps of flesh and blood known as the breasts of women. In the history of material activities, there are many examples, like the Roman hero Antony, who became captivated by the beauty of Cleopatra. Similarly, a great hero in India named Baji Rao became a victim of a woman during the time he was involved in Maharashtrian politics and he was defeated. From history, we understand that formerly politicians used to employ beautiful girls who were trained as Vishakanya. These girls had poison injected into their bodies from the beginning of their lives so that in due course of time, they would become so immune to the poison and so poisonous themselves that simply by kissing a person they could kill him. The, these poisonous girls were engaged to see an enemy and kill him with a kiss. <laughs> Krishna. Thus there were many instances in human thus <clears throat> there were many instances in human history of heroes who had been curbed simply by women. Being part and parcel of Krishna, the living entity is certainly a great hero, but due to his own weakness, he becomes attracted to the material features. Krishna bahirmukkahaya bhogavancha kare nikatastha maya tare japitiya dare It is said in the Prema Vivarta, that when a living entity wants to enjoy a material nature, he is immediately victimized by the material energy. A living entity is not forced to come into the material world. He makes his own choice, being attracted by beautiful women. Every living entity has freedom to be attracted by material nature or to stand as a hero and resist 
that attraction. It is simply a question of the living entities being attracted or not being attracted. There is no question of his being forced to come into contact, contact with material energy. One who can keep himself steady and resist the attraction of material nature is certainly a hero and, deser and deserves to be called a Goswami. Unless one is met... Oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Unless one, is a, a, unless one is master of the senses, he cannot become a Goswami. The living entity can take one of two positions in this world. He may become a servant of his senses, or he may become master of them. By becoming a servant of the senses, he becomes a great material hero. And by becoming master of the senses, he becomes a Goswami, or spiritual hero. Text 26 My dear lotus-eyed, kindly explain to me where you are coming from, who you are, and whose daughter you are. You appear very chaste. What is the purpose of your coming here? What are you trying to do? Please explain all these things to me. Purport. The first aphorism in the Vedanta Sutra is Atato Brahma Jigyasa. In the human form of life, one should put many questions to himself and to his intelligence. In the various forms of life lower than human life, the intelligence does not go beyond the range of life's primary necessities, namely eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Dogs, cats, and tigers are always busy trying to find something to eat or a place to sleep, trying to defend and have sexual, sec and have sexual intercourse successfully. In the, in the human form of life, however, one should be intelligent enough to ask what he is, why, is he, why he has come into the world, what his duty is, who is the supreme controller? What is the difference between dull matter and the living entity? And so on. There are so many questions, and the person who is actually intelligent should simply inquire about the supreme source of everything. Atato Brahma Jigyasa. A living entity is always connected with a certain amount of intelligence. But in the human form of life, the living entity must inquire about his spiritual identity. This is real human intelligence. It is said that one who is simply conscious of the body is no better than an animal, even though he may be in the human form. In Bhagavad Gita 1515, Krishna says, Sarvasya chaham ridisanavishto mataksmritir jnanam apohanam cha I am seated in everyone's heart, and from me come remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. In the animal form, the living entity is completely forgetful of his relationship with God. This is called apohanam, or forgetfulness. In the human form of life, however, consciousness is more greatly developed, and consequently, the human being has a chance to understand his relationship with God. In the, human form, in the human form, one should utilize his intelligence by asking all these questions, just as Puranjana, the living entity, is asking the unknown girl where she has come from, what her business is, why she is present, and so on. These are inquiries about Atma-tattva, self-realization. The conclusion is that unless a living entity is inquisitive about self-realization, he is nothing but an animal. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Text 27 <clears throat>
my dear lotus-eyed? Who are those eleven strong, strong bodyguards with you? And who are those ten specific servants? Who are those women following the ten servants? And who is the snake that is preceding you? Purport. The ten strong servants of the mind are the five working senses and the five knowledge-gathering senses. All these ten senses work under the aegis of the mind. The mind and the ten senses combine to become eleven strong bodyguards. The hundreds of women under, under the jurisdiction of the senses are addressed here as lalana. The mind works under the intelligence, and under the mind are the ten senses, and under the ten senses are innumerable desires to be fulfilled. All these, however, depend on the vital life force, which is here represented by the snake. As long as the vital life force is there, the mind works, and under the mind, the senses work, and the senses give rise to so many material desires. Actually, the living entity known as Puranjana is embarrassed by so much paraphernalia. All this paraphernalia simply constitutes different sources of anxiety. But one who is surrendered unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead and who leaves all business to Him is freed from such anxieties. Therefore, Prahlad Maharaj advises a person who is taken to the materialistic way of life, which is never permanent but always temporary, to take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and leave aside all his so-called responsibilities in order to get free from all anxieties. And that brings us to 7.45. And we're going to stop. It's a little less today because of my voice. We're only lead, reading half an hour. But we'll stop here and relish what we just heard again through the reflections of the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. First is from Shatarupa. Shatarupa. Oh, Shantarupa from Wales. Hare Krishna. She says, Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj. Jai, Hare Krishna to you. And from Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Jai, Gopikanya Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj, and all assembled sages, my humble obeisances to everyone. Jai Srimad Bhagavatam. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glories to His Divine Grace. Srila Prabhupada. And from Daitari Hari. Daitari Hari. Hari Bo. Hari Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai. Hari Bo. Sorry I've missed a few recent readings. We've had some late evenings traveling and doing some kirtan. It's really nice to be back live. Well, it's nice to, be, for, to have you back live. You're our favorite reflector. <laughs> These verses certainly need Prabhupada's purports to explain the analogies mm. because many of them are so nuanced and subtle that only someone with extremely sharp intelligence would be able to pick up on the points being made. Mm. It's no wonder Puranjana needs clarification in later chapters. Oh, yes. Hearing about how easily the sex impulse is agitated by the presence and association of the opposite sex is extremely <coughs> sobering. <coughs> Sometimes immature devotees like me can see the minor or major fall-downs of others in a harsh and merciless light mm. without realizing how weak and susceptible I am to also falling victim to Maya at any moment yes. without the protection of Krishna. Yes. How do we develop appropriate compassion for others 
in a real sense of urgency in our own spiritual life and realizing our complete dependence on Krishna's protection from falling down. Well, the first thing is, it was described, the, the, the mind works under the intelligence. Right? We heard that in the purport. The mind works under the intelligence. So the intelligence, the soul's duty in the human form of life is to inquire. Tato Brahma we also heard that. It's our duty to get knowledge, in other words. We have the gathering, knowledge gathering senses. Uh, it's our duty to gather knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. And that knowledge is, detained, is contained in the Shastra. So our duty, especially if we're initiated devotees, but everyone's duty, but especially those who have a bona fide spiritual master, they're supposed to have a bona fide spiritual master because they were very inquisitive, at least, about spiritual topics. If you are not inquisitive about spiritual topics, then you have no business with a bona fide spiritual master. And somehow or other, that bona fide spiritual master will be taken from you in one way or another. So the first thing to do is inquire, is, is to get the knowledge of what the difference between human life and animal life is. And the second knowledge is, the second point in inquiring knowledge is to hear from the bona fide authorities and then look out at the world and see that what it's saying is true. And by that knowledge acquired by the intelligence, the intelligence can rule the senses. And then your senses can be controlled. And yes, unless you have a knowledge infused, uh, excuse me, unless you have an intelligence infused with knowledge, you can't uh, control your senses. You can't uh, have compassion for others because you're still going to be agitated yourself. So therefore Prabhupada so gracefully and so mercifully gave us these books with all of these instructions. Some of them are ecstatic. Some of them are like horrible <laughs> to us. You know, like like uh, sobering us up. Like you mentioned the word sobering. So they're like a, a, a dose of ice water on the head of a person who's intoxicated by alcohol or something. It just wakes them up, brings them to sobriety. In order to understand this knowledge, one has to be a little sober. To be a little sober, you have to actually follow the sadhana, the practices which purify the senses and the intelligence and the mind so that we can see and hear and smell and taste in, in the proper perspective. And when we do that, then we see how much people who are completely absorbed and intoxicated by the material energy are suffering. So that's how we can do it. See through the eyes of knowledge. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmanitam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurudevanamaha. There's a wide spectrum of knowledge, beginning from how to control one's senses to the point of acquiring pure, unadulterated love for Krishna and the activities of Krishna and his devotees in the spiritual world and the pastimes and all those details. So, those are not meant for those who are still uh, controlled by their senses. So if we try to go to the higher topics prematurely, then we will become agitated unnecessarily and make the mistake of thinking that, that Krishna's pastimes are mundane. And we will become agitated. So here's the answer. Bhagavad Gita as it is. Srimad Bhagavatam.
first nine cantos. Hear them incessantly, means every day, as much as possible. Apply them to yourself, to your own self. And with that purified understanding, do the right thing and keep doing the right thing. Follow the vows you took uh, when you were when you were initiated, and Krishna will help you. Your spiritual master will help you, and you will become able to be compassionate. And then, Sankirtan becomes a joy. Distributing Prabhupada's books becomes a joy. Hare Krishna, and the marathons are meant to give that little extra, that little extra vow. Uh, to make us even more purified. Hare Krishna. This is from Sudevi Dasi. Yes, Sudevi Dasi. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna to you too. This is from Katerina Farao. Katerina Farao. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. I'm from Rohini Nandana. Rohini Nandana, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. I'm always amazed what a no-nonsense breakdown of life we get from the Bhagavatam and Prabhupada. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for your readings. Hare Krishna, thank you for coming. From Subarao. Subarao, Haribo. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances and all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you for your daily readings. Srila Prabhupada is the master of analogies and he very well delineates the nuances of these verses. When you read the purports, we get the clear picture of how attraction works, particularly against the progress in the spiritual journey. Daily readings, Ki Jai. Jai. And he also has a gem. Yes. From four five twenty four, quote, attraction and repulsion for sense objects are felt by embodied beings, but one should not fall under the control of the senses and sense objects, because they are stumbling blocks on the path of self-realization. Unquote. Hmm. These representatives of attachment and envy are very much unfavorable for for advancement in spiritual life. Absolutely. Thank you very much for polishing that gem for us by bringing it out and let us all look at it again. Thank you. And this is from Bhakti Nikki. Yes, Bhakti Nikki. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Thank you so much for reading to us this evening. Today I heard the hierarchy of the subtle body. First comes the intelligence, then mind, then the ten senses. Then from them come endless variety of desires. All is dependent on the existence of the life force. I also heard about how powerful the sex impulse is. Being in a woman's body, I have to admit, I feel strangely left out when I hear these topics, almost like I'm not sure how it relates to me. I find myself wishing to hear more about the obstacles that are more relatable to me and that are most prominent to those with a female body and mind, although I know this knowledge is certainly important to everyone. Please could you expand my tiny mind and perspective? Hare Krishna. Well, <clears throat> those who consider these topics of the sex agitation, etc., etc., uh, and and must in order to understand them and be peaceful about them and apply them, we have to understand things in a more broader perspective. You know, the universe was created not by us, but by the supreme Lord and His representatives, and in that creation, uh, there are different uh, roles that all of us have to play. Not just gender, but also uh, duties in our occupational duties, 
in our spiritual positions, in our material positions. And the male and female bodies are made to be attracted to one another. This was very clearly delineated in the purports of, these, of this reading. Before a, a boy or girl comes to puberty, they don't think about these things very much. You can put a bunch of little boys and girls playing five, six, seven years old, and there's no question of being sexually you know, dis attracted to one another or agitated. They just play because they're innocent. But, you sh but we should know that this is the way of the world. It's, it, it's, it's material nature. It's constructed like that. That once the male and female of any species of life become mature, then their instinct, their, their, the bodily modes of nature, passion, push them to expand the number of that family or the number of that species, the number of that whatever. And that's the way it is. Therefore, in Vedas, uh, it's, it's very strongly recommended that the male and female genders be not mixed so much. Not that there's no mixing, but the mixing has to be done in regulation according to the laws of nature. If we cannot admit that the body of the male and the body of the female are different, and the psychology of the male and the psychology of the female are different, then we won't be able to understand. We'll feel uncomfortable. You know, the, the male body is uh, harder and stronger and more powerful in general. Of course, now sometimes even women are lifting, late, lifting weights and becoming like that themselves, but it's artificial, very artificial. But, but a person, a male of the same uh, inclination becomes built up in the body like a... They can, you know, n overcome the woman, no, no doubt. Therefore, the women are called the fair sex, the gentle sex, uh, the, the weaker sex, you know? And that's it. That's the, that's the difference. But there's a, there's a reason behind it. Because the basic building block of human society is the grihastha ashram. And therefore, uh, the woman's body, who, who is able to conceive and, and deliver the child, a male body cannot do that, you know. They have to have a nature to do it, to tolerate that pain of childbirth, to tolerate, you know, being able to be uh, absolutely required to be with the child every moment of every day until they are grown up enough so they can protect themselves. And the male's role is to, to earn and to, and to provide for the family. So this is the natural order of things. And when the natural order of things are broken or, are caught, or, or when people try to conquer them in order to try to be so-called free or liberated from any position, then they become, the, the anxiety increases. And therefore in this age when women are more free, especially in the West and now even in India, the, 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 the atmosphere is becoming more agitated. And we don't have to be some kind of social, political, PhD genius to see that. All we have to do is, you know, read just some few, you know, headlines of what's going on to see how agitated and angry and, and, and lusty and greedy uh, people are now. But in the, in the culture where these laws are being followed, in order to please God, what to speak of, make things peaceful, then we have an, an, an ideal atmosphere for becoming God conscious. Now we have an atmosphere ideally to forget God, because we don't want to have anybody that we're responsible to. Therefore, what's missing is Krishna consciousness. Which missing, what's missing is a spiritual education. And if we read this book of Srimad Bhagavatam again and again until we become expert and take these purports, take them seriously, 
learn them, believe them, trust in them, and eventually follow them, then we will taste the nectar of internal freedom. And we'll understand the reason for the rules and regulations that regulate the senses and control the mind and senses. And then you'll be happy in the body you are in. You'll be, you'll be, uh, you feel comfortable in your skin. Hare Krishna. Thanks for that question. That was a great question. This is from Bhakta Peter. Yes, Bhakta Peter. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Couldn't make the reading tonight. Was in a chaotic Christmas lights show in Shrewsbury. <laughs> Still many gave donations and many received Prabhupada's books. Very good. Haribo. Thank you for tuning in late. No problem. We live vicariously by listening and hearing about the exploits of the Sankirtan devotees, the book distributors. And from Bhakta Rupa? Yes, Bhakta Rupa. He says, thanks Maharaj, your explanations are illuminating. I'm just repeating what's in the books, that's it. If you just repeat what's in these books, people will think you're illuminating. <laughs> And from Nikki? Yes, Nikki. She says, thank you so much for your kindness and patience. It is overwhelming. Hare Krishna. And thank you to all of you for your wonderful reflections. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Samabhida Bhakta Brinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bo. See you tomorrow night. Same time, same place, same topic as Narada Muni pours cold ice water over our heads and reveals to us what the material world is all about. Hare Krishna. See you tomorrow.